This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. I'm Carl Ulrich, Vice Dean of Entrepreneurship and Innovation at the Wharton School, and this is Launchpad, where I talk to successful entrepreneurs about the secrets to launching and growing their startups. I'm very happy to welcome to the show my next guest, Stacy Chang, who's founder and chief warrior of Vera. Stacy, welcome to Launchpad. Hi, Carl. How are you? Great. So uh, first disclosures, Stacy's a friend of mine, so I'm really happy <laughs> to have Stacy on the show. She's also a Wharton grad 2012, so if, I, if it's all slow pitches, you'll know why. All right. <laughs> Uh, Stacy, you are the first chief warrior I've ever had on Launchpad. So tell me what that what's what's going on with that title. So Vera actually, the meaning of Vera uh, comes from the sensory core for warrior because I believe all the women are warrior, right? So I want to uh, empower her with great shoes to conquer the world with impactful style and make positive impact. That's why uh, all our team, everyone's title is warrior related. Warrior related. Okay, so. Uh, well, that's really awesome, and and it reminds me I need to spell spell the company name and point our listeners to your URL. So it's Vera, which is spelled V E E R A H Vera dot com, and we just learned that Vera is Sanskrit for warrior. That's awesome. Okay, so Stacy, give us the elevator pitch for Vera. Sure, uh, Vera is inspired by women made for warriors. We are a mission-driven luxury shoe company founded for women to conquer the world in style and make a positive impact. Uh, Vera is PETA-approved vegan. All our shoes are responsibly sourced and meticulously crafted without compromising quality and style. We are proud that we are the only luxury shoe brand that offers high fashion, high function, and high impact. Our founding principle is do good, look incredible. All right. So tell us a little bit more about the shoes. So... Uh, Excuse me. All our shoes, uh, as I mentioned, is responsibly sourced using premium vegan material. So our shoes has uh, sourced material from uh, the latest is from uh, made from apple peels, and mm-hmm. also we have material made out of recycled plastic bottles, cork, uh, organic cotton, etc. However, we don't compromise on the aesthetic and quality of our shoes. And second, all our shoes comes with uh, removable and interchangeable accessories. So one pair of shoes is pretty much equal to multiple pairs. So you can multiply your look for any occasions while minimize your fashion footprint. And or we, we are a public benefit corporation, so it's really important for us to give back as well. So we partner with various nonprofit organizations that um, support women empowerment, animal welfare, and um, girls' education. All right, so let's talk a little bit about what it means to be a vegan shoe. Mm-hmm. And... So just say a little bit more about, about what that standard is and, and how it plays out in terms of the materials and design for the shoe. Sure. So um, all our shoes, we say vegan shoes mean we don't use any leather products. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, uh, the, if you take a look at our shoes, that uh, a lot of time people think they are just look or feel like leather products. So, for example, our recent um, shoe made out of apple peels, it is a bio-based leather and uh, it's as durable, as breathable as <clears throat> leather shoes. Uh, so for, it's really important for us on the quality side that we don't compromise 
um, the quality because oftentimes people think about vegan shoes are lower quality, lower design, um, and it's very important for us to um, give women the shoes that is equivalent to designer leather shoes. However, knowing that they are being more compassionate, they are making an impact, they are uh, becoming more kind to the environment. All right, so I, I got to believe you're, you're making a very stylish pair of shoes, your initial products. I actually, maybe walk us through a little bit the product line. The initial products are, are heels, is that right? Yes, we have uh, three different heights, from kitten heel to medium height heels to uh, high 4.2-inch uh, heel heights with uh, hidden platforms. So there's a three different heights that we offer, and we have um, pointy toes, round toe, and peep toe which are all very classic silhouettes that uh, professional women wear today. We did a lot of interviews before I launched to understand what color, what styles that women wear today. And so that's in our initial assortment is uh, very uh, classic silhouettes. And with the uh, uh, accessories that we add on, that really can help women to multiply her look and become uh, to be more trend-driven. So the idea is... Um, Women uh, on the go, they can wear a very simple uh, closet pumps. And then when they go out and have events or uh, parties, and she can add on the accessory to create different looks. I remember wow. when I was um, traveling a lot, I was working in Hong Kong, I traveled a lot in the region. It was just so hard to only bring a carry-on suitcase. And how, can, how many pairs of shoes can you really put it in the carry-on suitcase, right? So this way we have this accessories that you just need to bring one pair that will allow you to um, look very polished in any occasions. Uh, additionally, even our accessories can create multiple look too. Uh, all our uh, shoes comes with uh, ankle strap. That ankle strap itself is reversible. And you can also uh, detach them and then combine them. Then combine them together, they can become bracelets, necklace, and belt. So it's really multifunctional and versatile. All right. Who 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 cares about their shoes being vegan? Tell us a little bit about the segment and and how significant this the vegan shoe segment is. Uh, so, pers- I, well, I started out because I care is being vegan. I'm vegetarian for many many years, and I always mm-hmm. want to find something that's uh, more sustainable, more um, uh, you know kind to the animal options. But at a time when I was looking for uh, what's available in the marketplace, there's nothing that's um, good enough uh, for professional women. And mm-hmm. uh, I spoke to a lot of um, vegans community as well. They all find shoes are the most, <clears throat> excuse me, the most difficult category to wear for uh, being vegan. And I think one thing that um, our, even though our shoes are vegan, but I think our shoes are way more than just being vegan as well, that I find a lot of our customers are actually non-vegans. They care about the environment. They care about the impact they make. They want to wear good-looking shoes that's also comfortable um, and versatile. And so, so far, we see a lot of customers actually just really like the whole concept of the brand without actually being vegan. Mm. And with that being said, uh, we do see a lot of reports from recent years that's uh, seeing that, um, especially in 2018, vegan fashion is going to be one of the key trends, especially in the luxury sectors. You see more and more brands now that uh, luxury brands are stopped using fur and um, really think about uh, introducing uh, different categories that's um, using non-leather. 
And I think that uh, leather sh- non-leather shoes is still a category that still a uh, blank space that people are trying to figure out how can we uh, create a uh, very high-quality, good-looking shoes in the leather, uh, in the shoe, dressy shoes category. All right. Take us back. You you alluded to the origin story a little bit, which is that you yourself were looking for more stylish vegan shoe options. But maybe elaborate a little bit on that. You graduated with an MBA from the Wharton School in, in 2012. What kind of validation did you do before deciding you were going to pursue this opportunity? Um, so after Wharton, I um, was working in Hong Kong for the Estee Lauder company. Um, mm. So in the very beginning, um, I was just traveled so much, and I, I was struggling with my shoes that um, our shoes, like I find most shoes are, designer shoes are usually very uncomfortable, and the comfort shoes are um, not, not good-looking enough to wear. And in the very initial stage, I just want something that's very comfortable and still good-looking. Then uh, I keep thinking about, is it enough for women today? What else that I need to add on to my shoes? What's my ideal shoes look like? So I think a lot about, you know, really beginning to start what I want. And I find I want, as a woman, I want something that's comfortable. I want something that has positive impact. Um, and uh, I want... Uh, shoes that appear shoe that's versatile enough for um, any occasions, and that's how they can about uh, in the beginning is I want to create uh, ideal shoes for myself, mm. and then I uh, spoke to a lot of women, uh, did interviews with women from Asia, from Europe, from uh, the U.S., from all around the world. I think that's always very it's all very common that women just want better shoes. We're not satisfied with the options we have today. Um, and that just, that's kind of uh, really starting off is I want to solve the problem I, I have. that, And I find a lot of my girlfriends share the similar frustrations. And that's how it really got started. Yeah, so that's a fairly common template or pattern in entrepreneurship. Let me just underscore it, which is you, the entrepreneur, feel the pain yourself mm. and say, hey, I'd like to create something that solves my own problem, scratches my own itch. And right. you do a little bit of validation that there are at least a few other people out there who share the similar pain point that right. that you have. Yeah. I think there are, just to editorialize a little bit, I think there's a plus and a minus to that strategy. The The plus is that you can be sure that if you meet your own need, there's at least one customer whose need's been mm-hmm. satisfied, and you can answer that better than anybody. And the downside is meeting your own need does not necessarily guarantee you a vast market, right? There's, there could be that, that you are fairly unique in your needs. And so I like this idea that you did do, you did socialize the idea with, with friends and colleagues to validate that at least some other people felt a similar pain point. Right, and I think uh, that's totally true, and I think that's what's really important for us that uh, thinking about our what's the value that we are creating, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we we can't just be vegan enough, right? I think well, end of day, women buy shoes because they they like how they look, right? Uh, buying high heels at least, right? It's really mm-hmm. the look, the look how they feel when they wear heels, right? So people, I think, women is not just going to buy our shoe just because they are eco-friendly, they are vegan. That's not enough. It has to mm-hmm. be give her more value, right? And mm-hmm. that's why besides being vegans, the comfort element, which we don't really communicate too much because I want it to be a, a pleasant surprise when she wears our shoes. 
mm-hmm. the versatility-wise, that's really we find um, even people in the beginning they know about brand because we are vegan. But then what made her make the purchase is the versatility aspect of our shoes. So we have a lot of different stories. Uh, it's something that I was very mindful in the very beginning, thinking about what kind of different values that I can offer for different type of women. So I'm mm-hmm. not, even though it may sound niche in the beginning, because we have to be very focused on the market we are going after. But I, we, our brand is building to become a global brand that offer to um, women's that want better shoes and that becomes a huge market, right? But just yeah. right now we need to be focused and that's uh, where the target we're going after right now is, you know, for more social, um, sustainable, um, social conscious women for now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so Stacy, I want to take you back. You're, you're in Hong Kong, you're working for Estee Lauder. So mm-hmm. you have some experience in, in beauty and in marketing t- to women, but I, I take it you had never designed or produced a shoe before. So I wonder if you can walk us through how you went about, here you are, have this idea, how you went about actually getting a shoe designed and produced. Um, right. So before Wharton, I was uh, working at Coach. And the time I had a little bit of ideas about the product development cycle. Mm-hmm. And how, what is it like to uh, make handbags? But even though shoes and handbags are so different, but I have an idea about the process a bit. Um, then when I decide to really pursue this, the first step, actually, I went to Milan. I took shoemaking classes. Uh, I spent really understand the whole process, making sure I know the language that people use when, for shoemaking. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and a lot of time is really just um, I work a lot. I, I spend a lot of time with different manufacturers and suppliers. Um, most of my learning is being in the on the factories, talking to um, factory workers who craft the shoes together, and understanding um, what's the design constraint on things I want to make. A lot of time is really a lot of communication back and forth between um, the manufacturers and I, understanding what can be done, what cannot be done. Stacy, I, I want I want to drill down a little bit on this factory engagement. So, as I understand it, uh, you are basically working hand in hand with a factory uh, to design a shoe they can make that takes advantage of their capabilities and that meets your customer needs. How did you find such factories, and how did you convince them to work with you? It was really hard. <laughs> so it took me nearly two years before the launch to just really figure out the manufacturing process. And even today, um, there's still a lot of um, revision need to be made. But in the very beginning, I tried, um, I did prototypes in, in Italy as well. I did prototypes in Taiwan. I did prototypes in China, just to really get a sense of that's also a process for me to learn how shoes are being made and you know, how can I translate from things from paper to actual products. Let me, then, let me interrupt you, Stacy. When you say you made prototypes, what is the process by which uh, you did that? Prototypes meaning that um, we have a very initial concept. We uh, gave uh, factories uh, our design and mm. we'll, sh- we'll show it to factories and they will just start making, trying to fix Samples, trying to make, yeah. Yeah, samples, yeah. Yeah. Um, but at a time, like, if samples would, would in this... Um, in the industry, it's like when you actually have the right materials, but prototype is really just not even the right material, just to get mm. a sense of their craftsmanship. 
in the very early stage, even with the raw material, you can get a sense of how the factories work. So in the beginning, just get a sense of um, what's their capability. You know, they say they always say they can make really great shoes, right? Um, but always about like when they actually made it, how they look like. And then you see if they care about the you know the details we're asking if they actually can actually deliver, um, and just get but, a sense but, of. So I, yeah, so I'm interrupting you, Stacy, because I, I'm st- I'm still thinking. Look, you have nothing at this point, right. and you're showing up at a factory in Milan and saying, mm. or or China or Taiwan, saying, "All right, I want you to to work with me to make these samples." What what do you have to do to convince them to to even be willing to do that, or are they quite willing to do that for an entrepreneur? Um, it took a long process. I, I in the beginning, um, I did pitch to factories owners. Um, mm-hmm. I think that um, I, I put together a presentation deck. I don't think they see that often from factories, right? Yeah. Um, so I talked them through what's my vision. I remember even in my pitch deck to the factories, I including Warby Parker as example. How am I gonna mm-hmm. sell things online? I show mm-hmm. them like uh, how they have grown in a very short time, and I show them how I see. Uh, our business from today to year five. And I show them today we have um, something unique and um, to prove to them there is a need in the marketplace and how I, do I envision uh, we can grow from long term. And what's really important to them is I keep emphasizing that um, we are here together. I want to find a long term partners. It's not, mm-hmm. I want, a lot of time, um, the business come in there just say, do a development, I want to only pay this much uh, and then um, only something deliver in three months. But with them, we don't talk about pricing. In the, the, we, we don't talk about it until the very, very end. Because mm-hmm. for me, going to work with them, it's not about pricing. I want to find the best possible factories that understand my value and my, my vision can really help me to make my dreams to reality. So, um, you know, cutting costs on here and there is not important for me at all. I just want to make them the best shoes possible. So, you know, for factories, it's also very refreshing, right? I think end of day, they want to make good shoes too. So have someone come in and really think about, I want to make the better shoes, better for the environment, uh, and want to become a global brand eventually and have them to join me to start this journey with me. And a lot of those factory owners are entrepreneurs themselves. And mm-hmm. I think that they understand what I'm going through. They know I just really in the beginning, I need someone to help me to get started. And, uh, and I always joke about my initial factories that I, doing my first very first production. I was there, I was factory owners charity case, because he, <laughs> I think you just really feel bad for me. Like I yeah. went through different rent, like variation of my prototypes and just it was not good enough for what I want and was struggling. And then somehow that I was being connected with things through a friend, a friend, a friend. And really, I just wrote a cold email to him saying, I, you know, I, I, I love what you do. I, I need help. And I think I'm doing something different, unique. Can you please me with me? And I can share my idea with you. And mm-hmm. then he emailed me back saying, okay. And then, then that's, um, then I, Met with him and in a coffee shop, really, and and I give him my presentation, and he de- he decided to help me. That's how I yeah. really get my first production uh, out the door. Yeah, yeah. You know, I want to underscore this because I think this is uh, really an impor- important point. It, you know, we think of sales and marketing as as pitching to 
consumers and sometimes to channel partners and sometimes to investors. But this is an example of where you really have to market the, your vision and your company to a manufacturer, to a supplier, to convince them to devote some of their resources to you with an uncertain expectation that they're going to ever make any money on it. And so I think it's, a, it's just a great example of you being, you know, entrepreneurial spirit, convince, speaking to another business owner, owner to owner, and making your case that they should get excited about the opportunity. Exactly. And I think that's um, really not just about manufacturing, even all my suppliers, right? Because think mm -hmm. about it, like, uh, for me, my quantity is so small, even the also the heels, everything, all the materials, like I barely can make their minimum order, right? Yeah. So I yeah. need to talk to my also suppliers, too, because usually their the minimum order is like, for them, it's like 10,000 pairs. Of course, mm. I can barely make that. Again, mm -hmm. I had to make my case with my also suppliers and talk about my story. And it was so cute. He was like, you need to talk to my son. You need to motivate my son and help, me, help him out to get more motivated. And, yeah. um, and that really just how we start building that relationship. And then um, this, all these owners start helping me out and um, providing me all these uh, great materials to help me put my shoes together. Yeah. Well, clearly one of your distinctive capabilities as a, as an entrepreneur is you're, you have infectious enthusiasm and are able to persuade people of your vision. And in fact, I want to use that observation to pivot to the next topic, which is, which is PR and, and uh, celebrity engagement. One of the things that I've been most impressed by is, is your ability to get really famous people uh, to be interested in what you're doing. First, first share with our listeners, what's maybe the most impressive connection you've made, the thing that really left you most starstruck in terms of interest from, from famous people? Um, there have been really so many, and I just yeah. off the top of my head, there are two uh, incredible women that I recently yeah. have met. has just means so much to me. Uh, yeah. Number one is Susie Walsh. And, Susie uh, Welch, that's a uh, uh, former editor of Harvard Business Review and wife of Jack Welch, correct? Right, right. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and she's also vegan. Uh, and, um, and I just really, and I've been, you know, from business school, we read so much about her and then um, her business philosophy and how they, you know, build the business together. And I'm just really always just, you know, Cannot imagine meeting her, and right. um, and um, and I find out she she's uh, vegan, and um, and I just been really stalking her in every possible channel possible, and be very persistent, saying I want to you know have her try our shoes, and yeah, then then eventually I was able to um, give her shoes and learn more about her and how she how she. she she sees the environment, and she also gave me some really great uh, business feedback as well about building the brand. Yeah, and so uh, so tell me about that that pitch. Do you just email somebody or a publicist or someone and say, what size is is uh, Ms. Welch, and can I send her a pair of shoes? How do you, how do you actually do that? I'm so afraid, like, not everyone's going to, like, reach out to her. She's going to be like, oh, my God, Stacey, what did you do to me? <laughs> you know, but yeah. uh, I, I, I did it I through Instagram. That's how I started, and then um, yeah. and, and I direct message her, and I um, then I uh, just keep be very persistent. She's a very busy person. Mm -hmm. I just need to be very persistent, asking her her schedule, and I want to hand delivered to her uh, in person, right? Yeah. 
And then sometimes maybe like you're busy, why don't you just drop it off somewhere and there and just be very persistent. I, I want to meet you in person. It will take you five minutes. Uh, and it will mean so much to me to see if the shoes fit you or not. Right? And then, of course, when I meet with her, I brought three different sizes just in case if they don't yeah. fit her. Right? Yeah. Um, and that just, um, just has to be really persistent because you, one thing I learned is you can take things personal. Um, mm-hmm. Everyone is really busy. They all, it's not they don't want to help you or they don't like you. They just have so much going on in their own life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just understanding that and then don't take things personal and be persistent. And um, you ask 100 people, you just need that, you know, five people really cares about you and then respond and that's enough, right? So that's something we keep doing it is... Um, um, just reaching out to a lot of people we admire. Uh, we really feel that they uh, represent what our brand's about, uh, mm-hmm. and who do good and look incredible, and we just continue uh, reaching out to them. Yeah. And and what maybe it's obvious, but just maybe just help clarify for our listeners why why is that valuable to your brand? So you have these these celebrities, these famous people, these people you look up to that are wearing your shoes. What how does that how does that translate into business success? Well, I think wine um, is for validation, right? And we are a very, very young brand. Uh, and it was, especially for shoes, I think it helps that you see someone um, you look up to where the brands that you are thinking about it, right? And it's also mm-hmm. a part of discovery that um, you, I think that's an easier way to um, make people aware of your brands about instead of, you know, doing a lot of ads. I think that's, uh, having um, doing PR have celebrities or influencers wearing your shoes in a very organic way that's uh, very powerful and reach to a lot of people and then all our partnership we don't it's all non-pay partnership and it really has helped because you need to tell they are just really enthusiastic about your product yeah. and really believe yeah. on your vision uh, and then we find this kind of collaboration has really helped us to reach out to more audience and we find we always do a lot of interview with our customer too. We always ask her where did she find out about us. So it's very mm-hmm. interesting to see that uh, which influencers, which, you know, know that how she learned about us. Then we find that um, definitely like influencer has been um, helping us to raise our brand awareness and um, adding us a bit more credibility about the brand. Yeah. All right, Stacey, well, we're almost out of time. I, I would just have another minute, but I'd like to ask you, change subject and ask you a final question, which is you're really a global citizen. You're a native of Taiwan. You've worked in China and Hong Kong. You live in New York. You're calling me from Taipei, which I appreciate you're getting up early and, and making this happen. Um, maybe just reflect a little bit about what you observe about cross-border and global differences in, in entrepreneurship around the world. You mean for entrepreneurs? It, uh... Yeah, I, or or maybe maybe it just comes so naturally you don't even notice any differences. But but uh, uh, you... yeah, honestly, I don't think that really have much differences. I I think mm-hmm. that really just have to like hustle and then persistent and uh, keeping sharing people with your ideas. I think no matter which part of world you are in, you share people with your dream and then. Uh, be genuine, be kind, and people genuinely want to help you out um, all around the world. I really find that. 
All right. Well, on that optimistic and positive note, Stacy, thanks so much for making the time to join us. Thank you so much, Carl. All right. Uh, get some sleep. <laughs> All right. For more information about Vera, you can visit their website, vera.com, and that's Sanskrit for warrior, V-E-E-R-A-H, vera.com. I'm Carl Ulrich, Vice Dean of Entrepreneurship and Innovation at Wharton. Launchpad is produced by Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, on Sirius XM Channel 111. The show airs live on Wednesdays from 7 to 9 p.m. You can find more episodes of this podcast on SoundCloud or on iTunes. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.